0: excited. Pete Futak of collegefootballnews.com. The best in the business. And as I told you off air, Pete, I have been a huge fan of yours and an avid consumer of collegefootballnews.com for what feels like forever. Love you guys' work and truly appreciate you taking the time, my friend. How Absolutely.
2: Are you it, good. That, it, as I said, off thank you so much for the kind words. It is kind of crazy now because it's been 25 years. It's been you know, it's not, it's not a real job. It's ridiculous. I get to, you know, write about and talk about college football all the time. And it's, a, uh, it, it's absolutely a blast. And uh, this is this is the fun stuff. And this is, I mean, what are we doing for a living? We're not, you know, we're not fighting a war here. We're talking college football. So it's, <laughs> it's all beautiful. It's, it's all fun. Thank you so much.
0: And maybe the highlight Pete of the conversation, as again, I mentioned off air, the very first thing that came up that Guy Fieri flag behind you, that there, there's yeah.
2: got a story behind that of some sort. Yeah. Okay. Okay. real quick. I'll, I'll, so I don't bore anybody. So I have sports on all the time. If you see the, I have like f- four screens of stuff. So, uh, I live in a house of all women and always have sports on and they don't care about sports at all. But, but if I'm, I'm writing all the time. So I really don't know, you know, anything about, tv shows or binging like yeah i'll I'll, I'll know the main stuff and everything but like uh, i can't write and watch a tv show at the same time it just doesn't uh doesn't work so i need like mindless tv so i am not ashamed to admit that i am way too into like love it or list it you know just the the banter in the background or some of those you know the, the property brothers and then guy because all the you know triple uh, guys grocery games or diners drive-ins, and dives it's the type of thing you can have on in the background and keep working. So it's and since he's on all the time, uh, he's on all the time. So I uh, got him for me for a Christmas present, and uh, he's been the backdrop ever since. Because uh, here in Chicago, it's, it's I think it's snowing again, uh, so we don't have the right backdrop. I normally really have, so this is what you get today.
0: And I think literally yesterday in South Carolina it was like 90 degrees. So. I can't. I can't. <laughs> I love
2: it. I love all of it. I'm so there. I, I'm so ready for anything other than this. But yeah.
0: <laughs> snow in May is something in my mind It didn't
2: really snow, South but it feels like it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I cannot comprehend. Well Pete, let's get into it, man. Uh, obviously you guys dropped your South Carolina college football preview of the 2023 season. And I'm sure you guys will have even more content over at collegefootballnews.com dropping as we get closer and closer to the season. And I know, Pete, just side note, this has got to be a really busy time of year for you, right? Because you're it's, literally you're putting out previews on everybody. I the, have to know I'm this sure. stuff. So it, it's weird because it's it, the only way I can describe
2: it, it's like like for all the college kids, it's like finals right now it is, I have essentially 133 book reports to do and research projects to do. And I, so all the stuff on the off season, who I talked to and all the stuff we gather now, just, you got information overload here. And now it's just a question of putting together. And then the crazier part now is once you put it all together, it all goes kablooey because then Tyler Buckner transfers to Alabama, you know? So it's, it is a, it's, God bless anybody, you know, who I know, you know, it's it's old school to think that, you know, people cared about uh, print magazines, but God bless anybody who's trying to do those now. Because, God, when I used to write those things in 1997, it was a bear. And now forget it, because the second you put something out there, five guys transfer and everything changes. So uh, but this is where it this is where you learn the stuff. I mean, for the especially for the, the investment and gambling world and when you make predictions and stuff, this is where you kind of have to know the difference between a, a South Carolina and a Coastal Carolina and Utah State <laughs> and how it all sort of, uh, you know, fits together. So, uh, again, not breaking rocks here. I get there's no Crying when it comes to me with this job ever. So uh, but this is a it's a sprint. The faster I get through these, the faster summer begins.
0: Pete, getting into it, you know, one of the things I love about your work and the work over at collegefootballnews.com is you guys use so many statistics and trends to back up what you're talking about. I feel like I'm always picking up nuggets from your work on a week in, week out basis. So I really appreciate you guys doing that. But, you know, just talking about the 2022 season. We all knew it was special. But again, you using the statistics used a very unique way to put it in perspective. South Carolina has won eight or more games just 15 times in 115 years of Gamecocks football. Alabama's done it 67 times, Tennessee 58, Georgia 50, Florida 41. And dare I even read this sentence because I think it's going to hurt my pride a little bit. Vanderbilt has done it 18 times. So when you talk about what Shane Beamer did in year two, And you look at the season as a whole, was it a roller coaster? Absolutely. Was it up and down? For sure. I mean, was it times? Was it abysmal and ugly? Yeah, that too. But the way they closed out the season, ending the playoff dreams of Tennessee and Clemson, and again, getting to that eight-win mark, and you think about just the perspective of what South Carolina has done or has not done in their history as a program, I think it'll really give you a great appreciation for what Shane Beamer was able to accomplish in year two.
2: Yeah, not just a kiss up to the host and the the crowd. Like you, you always get the question doing all this, where it's like, you know, who has the best fans? First of all, all fans are annoying, so it doesn't matter who they are. <laughs> it's, 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 I, guys, my, I got I got hammered by Wake Forest fans last year <laughs> by underestimating. I'm like I'm like, God, God, love it. Keep it, keep it yeah. coming. This is great. But you're Wake Forest uh so offense but you know who are the best fans like it's it's easy to you know if unless you if you went to the school that's another thing but oh i love ohio state football or michigan so to be a south carolina fan and to fill that stadium as often as it has i you guys have like some had some crazy streak for a while there and it's you always fill the house with just totally mediocre football over 115 years. I mean, that's fans. And that's like, you, you're just in there. It's almost like a English Premier League where you know you're not beating Manchester City or Arsenal this year. But you're going to, you know, you'll, you're happy. You're, well, you're finishing in the top 10, you know, that kind of thing. And to have just 15 years of eight wins or more, and just to like you said, it puts it in perspective that last year's fun, you Know that's the hardest part. Like, I, I literally was on a show yesterday, um, with uh, my guy Ryan, followed on Tus- Tuscaloosa, and it's like a funeral down there. They can tell you, you know, how many minutes it's been since they've won a national championship. And you know, if uh, no, Ruggles of Ohio State kicks that football straight, Georgia doesn't lose, doesn't win the the, the uh playoff uh, semifinal and and Ohio state wins the national championship. And George is complaining right now. Like, Oh my gosh, it stinks stinks to be an sec fan. It's just so hard because there's no fun. It's just, it's unless you, you can win 10 games and it means nothing. I mean, you might as well win four. It just, okay. So you go to a bowl game and all your guys opt out anyway, it doesn't matter. But if you're a South Carolina and you're just not used to success, it's more fun I mean, how fun is it that you know? Who cares that you know who won the SEC championship last year? LSU got there. Georgia won. You know, whatever. You guys beat Clemson. You crushed their spirit. I mean, that's everything. I mean, you just completely stomped on them and ruined their lives. I mean, forgetting the the fact you guys actually saved them because they would have gotten just absolutely obliterated as soon as they got to the college football playoff. But you did that. All right, you you got by them. You got you ruined Tennessee's fun. I mean. This, that and the fun of having an offense like that. The fun that the again with the stats, the crazy part about this is if Shane Beamer, I think he, if he has another seven-win season, that's the greatest three-year start in South Carolina football history. I mean, Spurrier didn't get kicked in for you know a couple of years. And so you can kind of see the ascension and say, look, we're not just competitive here. We can actually beat some of these teams, and it's a whole lot of fun. And it probably should continue this year with another wildly wacky, inconsistent year that's going to have all sorts of twists and turns. And all right, you're not going to win the SEC championship, but it's going to be a blast, by the
0: way. And Pete, you're preaching to the choir because I remember saying it on a weekend, week out basis last year that, listen, it's guaranteed we're going to be miserable in the defeats. Don't also be miserable in the victories and nitpick every win to death. Just enjoy the wins where you can get them. Because exactly. You never, you never know how many you're going to get. You might get 10. You might only get six. But enjoy those six when you have them. Be great. And, and there, be great. there
2: is a difference in that because I do understand once you get to the, the true elite stratosphere, once you are a Georgia or an Alabama or an Ohio State where – Look, your life sucks if you go 10 and two. I mean, you're, it's, you're, it's just, you feel bad, everything's way. I mean, that's an Ohio fan. I'm-
1: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and NA member FDSE.
2: Up here in Chicago, find an Ohio State fan there, and they have the biggest mope on their face because they've lost to Michigan for the last two years. and They have to hear it from that base. I mean, so, but if you are one of those programs, I do get it where... There is something about the process, the Nick Saban process, where the fine line between, okay, you won, yeah, you won 55-3, to but you also committed 12 penalties. Well, that's going to come back to bite you later. So that way is different. For South Carolina, yeah, if you just got by, you know, Tennessee
0: or whoever, and you won, boom, that's awesome. Pete, let's dive into this preview. The uh, the preview you guys released on collegeballnews.com or continue to dive into it, if you will, as we move and talk about this 2023 team and the way the Gamecocks set up. Uh, and you look, the big news, obviously, coming in January, Spencer Rattler and Juice Wells, the return. And like I mentioned, Pete, I love the way that you guys use statistics and analysis to break down all of your opinions and everything else. Juice Wells, just how big of a target is he? He caught 20 passes against Tennessee and Clemson safe to say he's going to be South Carolina's number one target and Spencer Rattler's favorite target all throughout the season. And when you look at the offensive line, you look at the running game, the the lack of options there, at least right now they may pick up someone in the portal, but I think it's safe to say this is a football team. That's probably going to rely on the passing game. And it's going to start with Spencer Rattler to juice Wells.
2: And it's going to be fun to see where Rattler progresses because it it gets lost that these are that that these guys are so they they come in so ready as opposed to like 15 20 years ago uh they've been coached up they know everything but they're still kids they're still college kids who still mature and sometimes you know we're all used to like the, the, the freshman superstar who takes the world by storm but sometimes it takes a little while for everything to slow down and if you you ever, you know, there's a reason why Joe Burrow went from being, you know, no one knows who he is to this all-time great where, you know, he was, you know, 27 years old or whatever, you know, he's an old dude when he finished up at LSU and just everything slowed down. Kenny Pickett went from nothing to, what, 40-something touchdown season. It's same thing, old quarterback. It just, everything changes with more time logged into the system. And so for a guy like Rattler, think of where this all started from he was the first Lincoln Riley homegrown quarterback and he had to follow transfers he had to follow Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, Jalen Hurts and then he got a little time and then Caleb Williams you know took over for him so you're talking about three Heisman winners a guy who probably should have been the NFL MVP two number one overall draft picks another guy who probably will be and they but they were brought in actually Caleb Williams wasn't, but he was groomed up a little bit. He was, the other guys were brought in as transfers and Rattler just, he had to start from scratch and was expected to be that. And he just wasn't where these other guys had a little time to, to kind of get their bearings and get everything figured out. So now is where he's really coming into that time frame where he would be like, if he were a transfer in, he would be the big time transfer. That arm though beats all those other guys. He's got the NFL arm. He's got the tools. He's got the passing ability. As you uh, you saw, obviously, at the end of last year, once he got into a groove and once he got into a positive momentum, he was amazing. Now does he trust that arm or does he th- almost throw like no one in college football almost throws more picks. It like, seems like every, every other time, it's like, you always like look at a South Carolina game and say, why wow. Rattler could have had like 14 interceptions in that game, but he's got the arm to make it happen. And now again, as things slow down for him and he reads things better, of course, he's going to go to Wells first and foremost, because he's going to be the main guy getting train ox in from Arkansas. Tight end is going to be a big deal. And then just
0: spread it around enough. And that's where the experience is going to come in. Pete, what I think is interesting, you refer to the line of scrimmage a lot. Pass protection, tackles for loss, the running game going missing and the the defensive side, the running defense or lack thereof, 198 yards per game you allowed. And you just echo really, and I think you solidify what I've been saying forever, you know, Gamecock fans scoff at why is the over-under win total six? Why is it seven? Why are people, quote-unquote, sleeping on the Gamecocks? I think, Pete, for South Carolina, and you see it in recruiting, and I think it's why – They are recruiting the way they are. For this program to take the next step and sort of get to the next level, it's all about improving at the line of scrimmage. You know, we love to talk about these skill position guys, the Juice Wells of the world, the Nick Eamon worries in the back end. But this is still a game and it's still a conference where if you don't have those big uglies up front, both offensively and defensively, you're just going to get pushed around. And I think that's where you're going to see the inconsistencies. And again, you talk about that in your preview. I remember we are grading on a curve here, and you kind of allude to that where,
2: yeah, the the line stunk last year. But again, you're playing in the SEC, and why is the SEC and the Big Ten, why are they the big bad boy conferences? Well, we just did this. 45% of the NFL draft was made up of SEC and Big Ten players. And the biggest difference between the SEC and everyone else – Are the defensive tackles i mean it's everyone can find you can always find a quarterback you can always find a guy to carry the ball maybe you might find you know a middle linebacker who just takes over games but it is so hard to consistently find 290 pound guys who can move and are as strong as the sec defensive tackles are and same thing for the offensive line it's not just about the tackles anymore it's finding a full five guys that can come together so It's not that South Carolina lines are necessarily awful. They're statistically bad, but like you said, you're going up against sec talent every single week and everybody has defensive tackles. Even, you know, even South Carolina does, everyone has the linemen. And so there's a difference between getting to go up against conference USA lines and getting to go up against, you know, Arkansas or Florida, or even when the the teams kind of stink or aren't as as great as normal, they still have guys in the trenches who can hang around. So that's where it kind of has to come together and just understand that. All right, you don't have the Georgia lines. So how do you get over that? And you hopefully get over that with this year, a guy like Rattler, who in this year in the SEC, who's the better quarterback? Who's Who's the be- uh, – Jalen Daniels of LSU, okay, someone else is going to rise up and be a number one overall draft pick. Alabama doesn't have that this year. You know, they don't, Georgia, you know, we'll see what happens when that all shakes out, but they're going to be more talented there, but they don't necessarily have it. All right. Do we buy into Joe Milton being the next Hendon hooker? All right. Statistically, maybe. So, so the thing is, if you're South Carolina where you're kind of looking at the season, how do we get past the fact that we don't have the high end lines of the Georgias and Alabamas of the world? Well, you might have the best quarterback in the league at least coming into the season and on the other side of the ball, to get ahead of these things here, is just keep winning the turnover margin. And that's what really sort of saves you. It saves a lot of teams
0: out there. If you can keep taking the ball away, you're going to be all right. And, Pete, you bring me into my next point, which is the turnover margin. And you highlight this is the key to the season. I'm going to read this excerpt because I think it's really important and it's fascinating. You say, the defense didn't really work. The offense was all over the place. And no one in the SEC gave up the ball more. The 27 turnovers mattered until they didn't. The 23 takeaways made for a whole bunch of mistakes. Once again, they're going to be rocky moments. Plenty of parts of the puzzle need help, but to keep it simple, the Gamecocks were 1-4 last season when they lost the turnover battle and and 7-1 when they didn't. Shane Beamer has talked about this a lot, Pete. Spencer Rattler being better about not turning the football over, but really this team as a whole. And it's crazy, Pete, when you look back at last year and you mention those numbers. Yet again, let me read it. Gamecocks one and four when they lost the turnover battle, seven and one when they didn't. Pete, South Carolina went eight and five, eight and four in the regular season. Three of their four losses were to teams that went six and six. Mm -hmm. Right. So you think about that. You think about the turnover margin. And let me give you my insight, Peter. Let me just give you my take on that. It's one of those things where. There's two different ways I look at it. Number one is this is just a football team that's really opportunistic, and that's who they're going to be. The other side I kind of worry is like, was some of it was maybe getting to eight wins, a little bit smoke and mirrors. Can you really depend on the turnover margin to be that in your favor on a year-in, year-out basis, right? So how do you look at that? And, And obviously, for South Carolina, when you talk about controlling what you can control, Cutting down on the turnovers is something they have to do this year if they're going to repeat their success from last year.
2: Yeah. There's a little bit of the no risk it, no biscuit aspect to this thing too, where if you've got a quarterback like Rattler, who is a gunslinger, you're going to have to accept that. All right. There are going to be times when he throws three picks. It just, it's just going to have to be part of the the equation, but there are other times when he doesn't and those passes are go big and he's in a groove and, you know, you're going to have it when South Carolina just becomes unstoppable. So th- there is a little bit of a, yeah, no duh, you know, when the turnover margin, teams win aspect to it. But uh, it just, when you're, when the margin for error is lesser, uh, it just, for a team like South Carolina, yeah, winning the turnover battle, you know, limiting the penalties, doing all the other things the right way. And, and to your, your point of, can you do this year in and year out? Uh, this is just another preview we've just put up there a little while ago from Middle Tennessee, you know, whatever, Middle Tennessee. They they have they start off the season against Alabama, and as I told Fowler yesterday, if Alabama doesn't come up with 28 sacks in that game, it's they're not doing their job because they're talking about having no lines. But how do they get to eight wins? They were number two in the nation in takeaways, and they've been that way for the last three years. So there is a way to coach it, where you're kind of, that's kind of your defensive philosophy. Yeah, we're going to get gouged. We're going to have moments where we're just going to get flattened by that running game or whatever the the hot passer is going to be. But we know that if we can just be good enough on a couple of third down stops, and we know that if we can just come up with two or three takeaways, that might be enough to kind of offset all the other problems. And that is something that you can coach. So you, you mentioned Beamer. So if you can combine winning the turnover margin with a hot quarterback, with Beamer pedigree special teams, which are among the best in the nation, and just the little things like that. Like I grew up, I went to Wisconsin. I was there before they won anything. And what did they do for about 20 years under Alvarez to get good? They always won the turnover margin. They always won time of possession battle. They always won the penalties. The little things offset the talent. So if you're South Carolina, that's one of them special teams penalties,
0: turnover margin. You win those three battles and you're going to win a lot of games. And Pete, it's not the sexiest thing to talk about, obviously, because everybody wants to break down offense, defense, what these teams look like. But when it comes to South Carolina, you have to factor in special teams. I mean, you absolutely factor in Beamer ball because you look at last year and Beamer ball was, it helped in a lot of those games. They won and you talk about the turnover margin. I mean, it helped South Carolina immensely, especially on the stretch. When you're predicting the Gamecocks on a week-in, week-out basis, or sitting right now, when you're looking at this football team coming to the fall, how much do you have to factor in Beamer Ball and the intangibles when it comes to Carolina? And I guess how tough does it, or how much does it, how much tougher does it make it to read South Carolina? Because that's one of those things that, you know, it's really, really tough to measure, if you will. Well, the, the, the crazy part about it, too, is it's not like y'all
2: played a bunch of close games that came down to <laughs> right. a field goal. Like you you said, I, I mean, you got rolled by Florida. You got, you know, you, you lost by double digits, I believe, to Missouri. And there's some some other kind of, a few head scratchers in there. And on the flip side, then you just rolled some of these other teams where it didn't come down and matter that your field goal kicker went 11 for 11. Uh, but certainly it's just, it's one of those things where it, it's, it's so important. I'm always shocked that, especially in an NIL area. And you're, see, you're seeing it now too, where kickers have become a very pricey item in the transfer portal. Um, but you just, it's so hard to do good special teams in college. It's hard at the NFL level where you don't have quite enough time to operate and work on like you like. And then you've got pro guys who you know are trying to keep their jobs, who are going to stay in their lanes and you know kill themselves just to try to keep their gigs. So special teams at the NFL is one thing. At the college level, it gets totally ignored. Yeah. And the you can either go one way, which is really risky, where put some of your star players on special teams and have that athlete advantage. And, you know, as Alabama has been criticized over the year for that, you know, if you lose a Jalen Waddell or you lose a a, a main guy to injury, well, you, on special teams, there's you, that's a lot of criticism as well. So just to have that advantage where you don't have to worry about that third phase week in and week out, that's you're, you're going into that knowing that that other coach is going to have other coaching staff is going to have to prep
0: up that they're probably going to lose the special teams battle and they're going to have to overcome that. Pete, let's get into your key game of the season again. Pete Futak, collegefootballnews.com. Highly suggest you guys check him out. Pete, you guys are. C O L football news on Twitter. By the way, at that C-O-L-L- sucks. It's a sucky name. Yeah, it's, we couldn't get, couldn't
2: get college football news. It's too it's too big. It's like it's and finally, and we got it. And all of a sudden, Herb Street tweeted us out, and then we're like, oh crap! Now we're stuck with this name. Hey, so just
0: search college football news on Twitter, and you'll see it. But you list the North Carolina game in Charlotte, the season opener as the key game, and it's obvious based off of your excerpt here. It's because of the gauntlet that is the beginning of the Gamecock schedule, road trips to Georgia and Tennessee. You also sandwich in a really, really tricky game against Mississippi State. I think that one, you know, you see people labeling that as the trap game for South Carolina yeah. for good reason because they've still got Will Rogers. I know the late great Mike Leach obviously passing on. I think that's put a lot of people kind of nobody knows what to think of Mississippi State right now. And that games at Williams Price. But it's obvious, again, you talk about this North Carolina game because of the gauntlet of a start. That is one you absolutely have to have, or you run the risk of really your season kind of bottoming out before it ever has a chance to get going. Just talk about, again, that UNC game and why you label it the key game of the year. Well, and again, I can't remember exactly what I wrote. I you know, did in a fog half of I finished it up
2: last night. But I think what's the stat I had in there? It's like 2017 uh, is when the last time that their first game of the year – Against, Over a Power uh, Five
0: program, yeah.
2: Again, yeah. It wasn't always the first game of the season. It might have been the second game or something, but yeah, it's not always a given that you know you want to ease your way into a season. And most of these teams now, uh, you're kind of crazy if you don't have at least one layup on there. And uh, I always kind of say when it comes to the non-conference schedule, have one other Power Five game on there. That's all that matters. Everything else, you're you're just just play a bunch of cupcakes, build up the wins. You're crazy not to. But this is their one. So if they win this against North Carolina, then all of a sudden, okay, you you look at the back half of the schedule. All the excuse me, all the November games are at home, so you can kind of see even with Clemson on there, you see a, you see light at the end of the tunnel where if you can just get through the first two months, you know at the very end you're going to have a Jacksonville State, you're going to have Vanderbilt, you're going to have Kentucky you're winning at least two of those three, if not all three, and then Clemson where, you know, especially at home at this point, all bets are off when it comes to that rivalry game at this point. So uh, you got to win that. Cause like you alluded to, you got to, it sucks. Could they beat Georgia? Yeah, probably aren't, you know, could they pull it off at Tennessee? Yeah, but they're going to be underdogs. So you can't assume those games. And then everything else on the rest of the schedule is kind of manageable you don't get an alabama to deal with you're not dealing with uh, lsu we still don't know what texas a&m is yet this year and so with the home games and everything else if you beat north carolina to start you couldn't say okay look we we know there are five other wins on this schedule i know it's not the way you want to look at it you want to look forward we know we're going to be good enough to get to six wins in a bowl game everything else is going to be gravy after that but if you lose that game and you're having problems with Georgia and Tennessee, and God forbid you lose to Mississippi State, and you're one and four going into the off week preparing for Florida.
0: The narrative of the season completely changes at that point. Pete, finally, before we get before we get you out of here, you set your win total for the 2023 season for the Gamecocks at seven, and your excerpt reads as this: The 2022 version was good enough to beat Tennessee and Clemson, but that came after getting stomped on by Florida. There was little rhyme or reason to the season, but it produced, and it might be the way it is again. So talk about your just overall outlook at this point for the Gamecocks. It sounds like you view them very similarly to last year, and I I look at this team compared to last year. I think there are a lot of similarities. I think you and I would actually agree based off your analysis. I think the offense will be a little bit better. The defense will be a little bit worse. Beamer ball will still be there, which should probably still put them in that seven to eight women range. Your thoughts?
2: And so far, and I'll, I'll be shocked if there's another team harder, another Power 5 team harder to actually pin down. Because like I said, would I be a thousand percent shocked if they went into Athens and Rattler went for 440 and pulled that off? No. I mean, that's the kind of, we saw it. We saw it with Clemson. We saw it with Tennessee. This team could absolutely rise up get hot and take down number 1 georgia they could absolutely go into tennessee win 55-52 and you know pull that off and then lose to, you know, Vanderbilt, you know, where they turn it over eight times and or, or lose to Florida or just, you know, it's, it's going to be one of those teams. I just don't see any possible way that this is going to be consistent, but it's might go up and down, you know, stock market action, up and down, up and down, but, but the very end, you're going to have like seven wins at the end of the day in a decent bowl game. And so it, it get through the first two months. If we'll see what this North Carolina game is, We'll see if they can pull an an upset over uh, Tennessee or Georgia in one of those two games. See if they can take out Mississippi State, take out Florida, own Columbia, win the home games. And if you just get a nice base of wins, again, you know going into November, you've got at least two wins coming, probably three in in perfect world. You, You run the slate, but let's say two or three, then all of a sudden it's a pretty good season to be had there. And you just keep everything moving forward. The success builds upon success. It's a fun program, a fun team. And you can see that, yeah, this is one of those programs that maybe uh, transfers are going to want to go to, maybe recruits are going to want to go to because there's fun to be had there and you can put up big offensive
0: numbers. And if you do that, players are going to want to play for you. Pete Futak of collegefootballnews.com. Y'all go check them out and go check out the South Carolina Gamecocks 2023 Preview, breakdown, prediction, top players, win total, everything that you need to know going into the 2023 football season. Pete, I appreciate you taking the time in. Let's definitely do it again soon as we get closer and into the 2023 season. Absolutely. I'll keep up the great work. And when you guys actually
2: do start to run the table, and you're eight and zero, and everyone wants to like talk to you and everything, and you're the biggest thing in college football, just you know keep a little a little of me in mind here, and we'll uh, we'll come back on that. Pete, I
0: appreciate you, man. Thank you so much. Anytime. You have a good one.